Welcome back to the conclusion of Pastor Tim's final message from Luke chapter 11, verse 4. tempted by Satan. By Satan. We're going to talk some more about him before we're through tonight. But for now, I simply am reminded that he is referred to as the tempter. You don't have to look these up, but let me give you a couple of verses. Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 3. The verse begins with these words. Now when the tempter came to him, came to Jesus... Who is that? It's the devil, isn't it? The devil is the tempter. Here's another verse for you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse number 5. In there we find this phrase. Lest by some means the tempter had tempted you. (laughs) That's his job. He's the tempter. He's good at it. And he's going to tempt you and try to entice you to stop following the Lord. So how do you battle that temptation? I want to give you two of the best verses that I know of. Verses that are worth marking in your Bible. Verses, I'm telling you, that are worth you memorizing and getting down into your heart. So that you can use those. The first one is 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 13. Learned this verse really from Charles Stanley. Well, I've told you that he was struggling with a, a temptation, and it seemed like there was a temptress right there in front of him all the time, and he began to use this verse. It says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. What does that mean? It means that the temptations that you face are the same kind of temptations that other people face. They're not like super temptations that are, that are designed just for you. They're just temptations. No temptation is overtaking you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who with, with the temptation will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but will make a way of escape. There's always going to be a way of escape. Out of temptation, there's always a way. So Charles Stanley said, Lord, <laughs> there's, a, there's a way of temptation out of this. I need to know it. And so suddenly God brought to him this little child up. And the little child was there every time the temptress came around as well. It solved his issue. It'll solve yours too. Why not take that same verse and say, God, there is a way out. Help me. I've tried to battle this on my own. I've tried to say I'm not going to fall into it anymore. I've tried and I've tried and I've tried and I just can't beat it. Lord, show me the way out. And then let Him show you. Follow Him in obedience. 1 Corinthians 10.13 is a great, great verse. Let me give you a second one. 
2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 9. It says, The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations. The verse goes on with more, but that's the primary part of that verse. The Lord knows how to deliver you. So ask Him. Remember now, we're talking about this model prayer. You're not talking in your prayer to some God that is distant. To some God who is not real. To some God who is not listening. To some God that is man-made or handmade. You're talking to your father. What father would turn away a child who comes to him and says, I'm having trouble. And I need you to help me. We have a good God and a good Father who protects His children. He knows the way out. So just ask Him. Just ask Him. All right. You will be tempted. So you need God's protection. And so we say, do not lead us into temptation. Then we say, but deliver us from the evil one. So not only will you be tempted... You'll be targeted. We will be targeted and we need God's protection. It's the second half of this verse. It's a reminder, yes, that there is evil in this world. And yes, I am my worst, uh, my worst tempter. But specifically, Jesus calls on us to ask for deliverance from the evil one. Who is that? It's the devil, Satan. He has targeted you. And you need God's protection from him. He targets you in two different ways. He targets you directly, and he targets you by proxy. Let me show you what I mean. Two things. Number one, the devil seeks to destroy us. The devil seeks to destroy us. When we talk about the devil, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 is the verse that comes to mind. It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. I like the Discovery Channel. I especially like Shark Week. I look forward to Lion Week whenever that one's coming. Because there's some really neat things about the lion. And a neat thing about lions concerning this particular verse about the roaring lion. When does the lion roar? The lion roars in victory when he has defeated his adversary, when he has caught his prey. But the verse says... That the devil is like a roaring lion, still seeking whom he might devour. He's still on the prowl. He's still on the hunt. So, why is he he roaring? Doesn't that defeat the purpose of an ambush? To give away the position? This is why I think, I'm going to just tell you what I think. I think he roars 
because he knows how weak we are. He knows how easy it is to dangle that same sad little carrot and we like sheep go right after it. I think your enemy believes that he has already defeated you. Before he ever pounces, before he ever tries to pull anything sneaky, he roars because he believes that you're already defeated. This devil, this enemy, is pictured as a lion who wants to devour you. But there's another picture of him in the Bible, and that's of a thief. The thief and the devil, or the thief and the lion, are after the very same goal. In John chapter 10 and verse number 10, he says, The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Can I tell you this? Satan does not want to bargain with you, he does not want to offer you a win win solution. He wants to destroy you. He wants to devour you. He wants to destroy families. He wants to devour churches. And He does that person by person by person. He is not to be negotiated with. You're never going to strike up a deal with the devil. I don't care if you can play a violin and go to Georgia if you want to. He's not going to do that. See, we have those songs and we have those jokes and we have all of those things that make fun of who the devil is. All is in an attempt to make it seem like he's not even real. And because life just kind of goes on day by day by day and we do sort of the same things each day, we think we can get away with it. We think our enemy's not going to get us. But he is out to destroy you and those that he can greatly influence. That leads me then to number two. See, sometimes he does it directly. But more often than not, he does it by proxy. The devil seeks to destroy us, but the world seeks to wreck us us. The world is his playground. and The world system is under his influence. That's why he's called the God of this age, the God of this world. The world wants us gone. What we talked about this morning with the nation of Israel being that little sliver there in the Middle East and all of those nations around it wanting it to drop off the face of the earth. It's simply a picture of the way the world looks at Christians. They just wish that we were gone. But more than simply being annihilated and being knocked off the face of the planet so they don't have to worry about us anymore, I think the bigger job is to discredit us. That Christian that you know whose faith is shipwrecked. That Christian that you know who 
seems to go to church on Sunday, but Saturday night is a whole different ball game. I had somebody write to me this week and tell me that, I, that he is with a, a, a couple of other men who describe themselves as Christians. Yet the language that these men use and the drugs that they use are not testimony to a transformed life. So his question is, what do I say to them? Because they say that any Old Testament law doesn't matter anymore. Listen, you can't get to the New Testament until you've gone through the Old Testament. And the God who is God in the old is the God who's the God in the new and the God who's in the now. And he says, I do not change. His expectations of morality have never changed and they never will. Our world will change, our society will change, and what they say that they expect of us will change. But it's all in an effort to discredit us. Imagine. Imagine a scenario that I have been in before. But let's swap some places. Instead of it being me being the viewer, let's say that the viewer is you. The viewer maybe is somebody who's in the world, unsaved, needs the Lord. I get to play the part in this scenario of a church member. I get to play the part of a person who names the name of Christ. Maybe the setting for this scenario is in a restaurant. And you come up to me and there's alcohol on my table and in front of me. How's my testimony doing? Maybe, maybe I get to run for an office. And you're going to think I'm talking about somebody else, but I'm not. I get to run for an office. And whereas I may get to say on Sundays that I believe in life. And the honor of life, and the giver of life, and the protection of life. And yet everything that I advocate for is for both abortions and for euthanasia. How's my testimony doing? You want to follow that preacher? Those are just a couple of real life episodes where I get to see people that you probably know. If you stay in James very long, you're going to hear him say, fresh water and salt water ought not come from the same source. And yet with our mouth, we bless God, and with the same mouth, we curse God. And I like how plain James is. My brethren, these things ought not to be so.
The world is after our churches. The world is after our children. And outside of the deliverance from God, they're going to win. And so we say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Maybe we want to add like Matthew does. That yours be the glory and the honor forever and forever. And we say amen. This year at Brit David, we would like to challenge you to share the love of Christ with those you come into contact with each day. Remember, he who wins souls is wise. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is churchoffice at brittdavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Brit David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Brit David Podcast.